Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi, and welcome to this edition of the Trauma-Informed Parenting Podcast. Today, I have a very special interview with Tina Hamilton. I'm going to read you her little bio before she introduces herself, and I'm so excited to have her. I will tell you here in a second how I met her in air quotes Um, online. Tina Hamilton is a former middle school teacher turned parent coach. She supports parents along their personal healing journey so they can raise their children without passing down generations of pain and failed messaging. You can learn more about and jumpstart your healing journey today. She has this awesome guide. It's called Stop Yelling. It's funny because just before I pushed that record button, we were talking about yelling. Um, And I won't get into that right now. But so stop yelling, start connecting. And you can get that on our website, which I will definitely link in the show notes. I met Tina in a business coaching program that we're both in. And I had seen something that she posted And I was kind of like, oh my goodness, I got to see what this lady's talking about. Uh, And she knows her stuff. But let me let her introduce herself a little bit more. Go ahead, Tina. Hi, Kathleen. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, So I uh, started the Burnt Bean as... um, I'm on a quest to help moms find themselves uh, so they can enjoy their relationship with their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We all know that motherhood is exhausting and demanding. And so when we're completely overtaken with our emotions and out of control with fear or anxiety or worry or anger or rage, uh, we can become disconnected from our children. Um, And our relationship with our children should really be the relationship that brings us the most joy and unconditional love. Um, And, I, in my own journey uh, into uh, motherhood, I discovered that like being a, a parent is not easy, um, <laughs> and I I just thought that it would come naturally. Uh, I thought I expected you know um, that this is just something that that women do. They become moms, and you are you just figure it out. Um, and I really struggled with that. And so as I began to figure it out, I wanted to begin to help parents, um, figure it out as well. Uh, I 
motherhood is really not, is not only a chance to raise little humans, it's really the chance to come back to ourselves and genuinely love who we are as people so that we could show up in a, a way uh, that is exciting and supports our children. Uh, absolutely. And one of the reasons that I, to use your word, connect, I connected with you is because that's like one of my soapboxes is, you know, you need to be connecting with your children and enjoying your children. And I'm just going to tell you listeners that Tina is not an adoptive mom. Uh, and I, do, I don't, I didn't even ask you if you have any children that have a capital letter syndrome, but that's mainly our audience. So, but her material is for all of the above. Yeah. So, um, I am not an adoptive, uh, mom. Um, I, I, um, and, and none of my children have a capital T, uh, syndrome. However, I was a middle school teacher for nearly two decades and I have worked with many families, um, who have the, the range of, um, of syndromes and, um, you know, have, who have experienced trauma, who are currently experiencing trauma. And so through my education experience, I have really come to understand how our connection with our children really impacts um, how our children show up in, in the world. Right. And that's why I asked you that question, because I knew that you had been a teacher and it's in your bio too. And I have a teaching degree too. But I think it is so, your information is so powerful. And Tina wrote an article that I am going to post on the Trauma-Informed website that we're going to talk a little bit about. And I want to make sure that you read it and make sure that you also know where to get her information. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But one of the, if you've listened to my podcast for a long time or read anything on my website, you know that I talk about we have to make sense and peace of our with our past in order to parent well and be present in our parenting. And I think that that is a really good lead-in for this article. And I'm just telling you now, Tina, I talked about this article with my husband this morning. We had a discussion about it because so we're talking about um, really connecting with your child in the moment when they're having a meltdown. Let me just read you this. Engaging in a perpetual power struggle with your child, perhaps it's time to de-center. And I'm looking at her article, which I have underlined things in, circled things in. One of the um, series of words that I circled were depleted and ashamed. Like if we are engaging in this heated back and forth, those are her words from the article, we can end up feeling depleted, ashamed, and wondering what went wrong. And that's why I, this applies to all parents, every parent. If there's a perfect parent out there, I would like to meet that parent. Me also. But there are no perfect parents. So let's, let's talk about what kind of led you to writing this article. I know it's part of your purpose, part of what you stand for, but what led you to this? So this idea of decentering came to me after nearly a decade along in my healing journey. Um, when my daughter was in her toddler years and I was a single parent at the time, 
I was stuck in this place where her behavior would trigger a reaction with me and not the type of reaction that you would want. I was short-tempered. I was angry. I was full of fire. I would snap, yell, try to control the situation. And I was convinced that she was purposely doing things just to irritate me mm-hmm. um, as, as though a three-year-old can understand manipulation and what it means <laughs> to make you late for work. Right. Right. Um, And so it wasn't until I realized that I was putting myself at the center of her big feelings that I was able to separate her behavior from from me. Um, She wasn't acting a certain way because she was trying to manipulate me or trying to give me a hard time. She was having a hard time and she Mm. needed a safe place to land. But I couldn't give that to her when I was making it about me. Um, And so while I years ago, back when she was like four or five, I figured out how to remove myself from that. It was only recently that I realized that I was decentering. I took myself out of her um, realm of, of emotions and behavior and instead focused in on her. Right. Um, myself. Right. And I love that because it is so important. In fact, my husband said those same things. He's like, when I take when I am able to take myself out of, and he hasn't read this article, the center of what's going on and knowing that it's not about me and it's about them, then I do a better job of parenting and grandparenting. And it's so true because it's not about us. And we take, especially moms, not only do we have that overwhelming mom guilt, but we contend to take things so personally when it's not personal. It's it's about them and what they can handle at that moment or what they're struggling with. And I always say, Dr. Karen Purvis used to say this, there is a need behind every behavior. Absolutely. So you need to find out what that need is. And I remember having that exact same feeling like my baby, like my baby, my infant, my first child is doesn't like me. <laughs> and she is doing these things on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that I found out that she was on the spectrum so all of her reactions and her crying and her, her, her inability to cope and her need to be carried up and down the stairs 24 hours a day had nothing to do with me. None. They had to do with her need and her inability to regulate and process the information that was overwhelming to her at that time. So... Um, just in kind of in a, a give a definition of what it means to decenter yourself. I know you talked about it, but we need to hear it like over and over again. Yes. Um, so to to decenter yourself means that you are able to manage your own emotions in the moment. Uh, you're able to quiet the triggered parts of yourself and to really recognize that this is not about you. Mm. This is about something that your child is experiencing. Um, and so sometimes it's helpful if you are able to think about like, so how do you know when you are centering yourself in your child's big emotions in, I like to call it in their storm. Um, so sometimes you might be thinking like they're doing this to irritate me or they're 
they just push up against my boundaries all the time. They don't respect me. If you find yourself thinking those things, chances are you are putting yourself at the center of their behavior. Um, and it's, it's a, a good check to say like, Oh, maybe I should step back just a moment. Um, and, and lean into what my child's experiencing and get curious about what they're feeling. Uh, that's kind of like what needs to happen in order to decenter yourself. Right. And I had a friend tell me years ago, pretend that child is somebody else's child. Because that is a way to separate yourself. And when you have yes. a child in your home who's a guest, you know, you're making sure they have their snacks and they feel like everybody's sharing and everybody... And so when you look at it from that perspective, like for right now, just it's really removing yourself from the situation and saying, what's going on with that child? Right. It, it absolutely is. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I was a teacher long before I was a parent um, and I would deal with the range of behaviors in my classroom and I was never triggered. I never once thought, um, that, you know, they're doing this because of me. They're doing this to irritate me or to set me off. Um, and I just dealt with their behaviors as it happened and was able to stay present. And then when I became a parent, I was completely blindsided by her behaviors, even though her behaviors are very similar to the behaviors that I experienced as a teacher. Mm. Um, so, so it's interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to, I mean, not like you're saying this isn't my child. It's just like you're pretending for that moment so you can remove yourself from the situation and I think this is such an important topic for foster and adoptive parents and parents of kids with capital letter syndromes too because often I have found with so many foster parents they begin fostering because they had a horrible childhood they had a lot of trauma in their childhood or adoption like me I had a lot of trauma in my childhood so I was like I am going to adopt children because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go through abuse and neglect and all these things. But I mistakenly assumed that just having that past would equip me to parent these kids. But what happened is exactly what you're talking about. They had these triggers. I was triggered by their triggers. Mm -hmm. So it just became a trigger war. And who's, who wins a trigger war? No one wins Everybody. a trigger war. And that's why it's so important for all of us as parents, especially ones that have had kids that have had trauma and we've had trauma to make sense of and peace with our past and learn these. And like you've said, it took you years this mm -hmm. is something that is going to be an investment of your time. It doesn't just happen. And I hate that idea that we hear all the time. Like you said, when I became a mother, I just thought I would know. What do we do in this world that we just automatically know how to do? Nothing. nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like we need to educate ourselves. We need training. We need to find resources. We need to find things that will help us. And that's why when I met Tina... I looked at her, she sent me her the resources that she had, and I'm like, these are spot on. These, these are going to help a lot of people. So we kind of talked about this, but in case you have anything else to say, why is this topic relevant for parents? I think we've hit on that, but if you have something else to add. 
Yeah. So, you know, this, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, this idea is not, it's not just for parents, right? It's, it's applicable to everybody, a hundred percent of the human race, right? right? That when we interact with any other human being, our egos tend to make everything about us. Right. Mm. And so it, especially for parents with there, how many times have we thought as parents, like my child is, is giving me a hard time today. Um, that means that we're coming at it from our egos and we're, we're then reacting from this insecure place. So our ingrained messaging from our childhood, as, as you talked about is triggered, uh, and we begin to act without thinking. Uh, and, and it's like, so let's say for example, that you're in the grocery store and your child is having a tantrum in the candy aisle. Um, you might immediately think, Oh my goodness, my child is embarrassing me. And you start worrying about how other people are looking at you <laughs> and you, you act from a place of shame, right? Maybe you just like pick your child up, throw him over your shoulder and you hightail exactly. it out of the grocery store real quick. Um, instead of checking yourself at the door and getting down on your child's level and being able to work with them through their emotions about not being able to get that piece of candy that they really want or need to have. Um, and so it's, it's a good reminder that, that our egos tend to stand in the way of, of our connection with our children. That's yeah. And that's a very good point. In fact, I was recording a podcast before this and I was talking about that very thing. Like traditional parenting doesn't work and it tends to have that swoop in and fix the immediate problem but the immediate problem is always about how we feel about it. In fact, I use that example, that same example about being in a grocery store and your child's having a meltdown. It's because you're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not, it's like they can't regulate, but you're embarrassed. You're not helping them regulate by saying, just stop it right now. Right. You know? <laughs> that doesn't help anything. Well, even, yeah. even adults, if you have an adult who's deregulated, telling them to calm down. How many times does, does somebody telling you to calm down, do you actually calm down? Never, don't. never. <laughs> <laughs> right, we don't. So what are three things that you, you think that parents need to know about your topic, about this, what we're talking about? So decentering is a skill and it needs to be practiced. Um, it would be amazing if right after hearing this podcast, you're able to snap your fingers and remove yourself from the, from the center of your child's behavior. Like, Oh, right. Here's this idea. I'm going to decenter. Boom. It's done. Um, but we all know it doesn't work like that. So in order to, uh, start to decenter ourselves, we really have to start to build awareness, um, mm -hmm. around our, our triggers, right? So right. when you're with your child and they're having trouble and they begin to experience these big emotions, it's the checking in with yourself. Where in your body are you feeling their big emotions, right? Is your chest getting tight? Do you have a clenched jaw? Do you feel it in your throat, in your abdomen? Um, you want to bring awareness to your body. That's going to do two things. Number one, it's going to help you learn more about your triggers, um, it, things that may be coming up from childhood or previous experiences for you. And number two, when we check into our bodies, it immediately grounds us. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's right. kind of a calming technique, right? So there's, there's that a benefit to it as well. Right. So then once you start to build the awareness, you can start to dig around a little bit and lean in and get curious. Mm -hmm. By tuning in to the underlying messages that might be there, we can start to 
put together the pieces of maybe the childhood messages that are that are coming up for us. For example, if your child is having this big emotion, um, perhaps when we were a child and we experienced big emotions, maybe our caregivers didn't handle our big emotions the way that maybe they should have, right? Maybe right. Um, they tried to shut the emotion down, just like your example or uh, saying to the child in the grocery store, like, calm down, right? You're shoving their emotions down. You're not acknowledging and um, and allowing them to feel that full range of emotion. And perhaps that was done for you as well. And so we tune in to that, um, to, to that message that might be there about um, emotions and behavior, maybe that we picked up when, when we were kids. And then finally, with the awareness, the body awareness and the awareness of, your, of the messages from childhood, you can begin to process your own emotions. Um, you can identify the feeling and the message behind them. You can begin to rewrite those messages using affirmations. Um, you can mm. state something as simple as, this is an outdated message from childhood mm -hmm. um, that can allow you to separate what you are bringing into your parenting from your childhood, from the current situation, what's actually happening in front of you. Right, exactly. And I, I have to do that with myself still, you know, and just tell myself, you, you know what, Kathleen, you're not a little girl anymore. <laughs> you're safe. And one of the big issues in my childhood was traveling to see my dad in the summer and all kinds of triggers there. Being in a car, being in the back seat of a car, not know where we're going in a car. And I have to tell myself, you have a GPS, you have, you know, so those kinds of things that we need to use this skill and we need to learn this skill and use it in every area of our life. And honestly, even if you haven't had a traumatic childhood, if you were raised in a home where you had traditional parenting that was based on punishment and lectures mm -hmm. And you're not allowed to have feelings and you better listen to me or else my way or the highway, all those sorts of, you know, attachment that are ambivalent or maybe even disorganized or, you know, avoidant attachment, all those kind of styles of attachment. You can be raised in a home and think everything was great until you begin parenting your own children. And then you say, what's going wrong? What, what is it? What's wrong with me? Why can't I parent? Why is everything going wrong? You know, just like you were saying, why is everything going wrong? <laughs> yes, it, it's, I've had a lot of parents say to me, but I didn't experience trauma as, as a child. Mm -hmm. And it could be something so small. It doesn't even need to be um, a, a capital T trauma. Right. Um, even just your parents getting divorced, for mm -hmm. example, obviously that's not a small situation, but you would think like, oh, well, my parents getting divorced, that didn't affect me, except it likely did affect you. There's some right. messaging that you're carrying with you from that divorce that is going to show up in your parenting with your child. Um, and so it's, I was completely caught off guard by it when I became a parent. Um, and a lot of parents who I work with, they also, it's, it's kind of an eye opener to say, wow, I didn't realize how much this affected me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And they don't even know 
what messages they have lurking in their neural pathways until they begin to parent, right? right. So anything additional you'd like to tell everyone about? Yeah, so if there is, um, if there's one thing that I could tell parents, I would tell them that by putting, by me putting the decentering into three steps, I kind of make it sound easy, right? Like if I just gave you a three-step to-do list and you could just check off the boxes and you're done. Um, except it doesn't work like that, right? Mm -hmm. This is a process. You're going to take two steps forward and a step back. Um, some days, days are going to be better than the, the next and you will find yourself slipping into old habits, right? It, it's going to happen. Uh, no matter how much work you do, there are going to be days when it's just, you're going to be tired. You're going to be hungry. Something is going to stand in the way of you showing up the way that you know how to show up. Uh, and in those moments, it's so easy to fall into a shame spiral, right? Mm -hmm. It's so right. easy to start beating ourselves up and, oh my goodness, I'm a horrible mother. How did, why did I do this? My child hates me. Um, I'm ruining my child, right? It's really easy to do those things, but it is so important to extend grace to yourself, uh, to lean into that discomfort with curiosity, to dig in a little bit deeper and to be patient with yourself, right? That's the, the biggest thing. Grace and patience will take you so far in this process. Right, right. And I know, I don't know what the exact statistic is, but if you're beating yourself up for not parenting well 24 hours a day, then you first of all, there are no perfect parents. But you have to think about the investment that maybe 30% of the day you invested in great parenting. And that counts. And the next day maybe it's 50% and then the next day, maybe it's 20%. But you're investing, just mm -hmm. like you're, in, you're investing in your child. So they will eventually go back to, oh, mom is, this is how mom really is. She's just having a moment. I mean, when they get old enough to really understand that. I'm not right. saying a three-year-old is going to be able to verbalize that or say that. And one of the reasons I don't keep saying to decenter yourself is just in case you wanted to add anything else to, I mean, because I have these very general questions, <laughs> but I think that you've covered the article very well. And I think that making sure that we, we will link all these things, tell us just, and I'm catching you off guard here, but I know you can do it. Tell us a little bit about this freebie that we can get on your website. Sure. Um, so Stop Yelling, Start Connecting is a four-step guide um, that walks you through uh, that quick win, right? When you are, you know, you are just at a moment in your parenting that you're like, I need to make a change. I need to do something because this is not working. The Stop Yelling, Start Connecting is, is the guide that will jumpstart that healing process, right? It walks you through how inserting a pause in those tense moments when you know that you are about to explode, that you are putting yourself at the center of your child's behavior and you're going to act in a way that you know you don't want to act. How do we press pause? How do we take a beat um, and decenter ourselves, really? Um, and so it's, it's the four-step process that will 
start your journey, your healing journey. Yes. And it is true. It's amazing. I love it. Um, where can people find you? So I could be found on, uh, so first my website, you can download the guide at, uh, the burnt forward slash connection. Uh, so that's my website. And I could also be found on Instagram at the burnt bean. And in between each word is a period. So the period burnt period bean. Okay. That's awesome. And I, I'm so grateful that you took time out today to be on the podcast. And I'm really excited about people reading your article. And I'm really excited about people getting your freebie because you're going to help so many moms. So thank you, Tina, for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at trauma-informed parenting.com.